GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to this week's episode of Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK. With me, as always, is my buddy, Sean the Arcade Phantom. How's it going, everybody? And with us is a special guest. Did you say special ghost? No, no. Just a special guest. Don't be afraid. With us is The Glitch from The Legend of Retro. Hey, everyone. This is The Glitch. Uh, You might remember me from such podcasts as The Legend of Retro and the last action podcast, Loaded Weapon 1. Nice, nice. It is uh, great to have you, Glitch. We've been doing uh, Legend of Retro episodes together, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the first time we're having not only a guest on the show, but also that uh, you're on the show. Well, uh, I feel special. You should. It's a special guest. This is an honor. Uh, Maybe. It's probably not. I'm sorry. Uh, You're our Miss Botts. You're our first special guest. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, today we're talking about Dancing Homer, uh, and I'm excited uh, to find out why this is uh, an episode that the glitch really likes. But Sean, what year did this come out? So this came out in 1990, like every other episode. It was November 8th, 1990. Nice. So in this episode, Homer makes a fool of himself at a baseball game uh, when he tries to rally the fans, only to become a mascot for the team, and he gets a chance at being the mascot for a major league team. Uh, now, I uh, glitch. I uh, uh, this is the the you know first guest we've had on the show. We're putting you right on the spot. Tell us, glitch. Do you know what was going on around the time of uh, uh, 1990 on uh, uh, November the uh, the eighth? There. So I did look up one thing that that was current when this episode came out and yeah. that was what the number one song was on the billboard hot 100 oh yeah what was that it was ice ice baby by vanilla ice <laughs> really <laughs> spent one week at number one oh i'm what so a glorious week <laughs> i'm so glad that is the the week that you you found that out that is this week that's that's great i uh, so sean what, what do you have for us in uh, uh uh kind of pop culture type stuff so november 2nd a small budget psychological horror film jacob's ladder opened in theaters oh so what makes that important for all the gamers out there jacob's ladder is a huge influence on the silent hill series oh interesting there's a hospital scene where people's heads are twitching and things like that and it's very silent hill if you just want to look up the hospital scene from jacob's ladder you'll get a big Silent Hill vibe, but it's a fantastic movie nonetheless. I've nice. heard of that movie. I just never saw it. But, me neither. Yeah, I've never seen it. But even knowing that kind of makes me want to see it now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it really you does. will see the influences. There's like the turned over wheelchairs, things like that in the hospital That scene. is one of the creepiest games I ever played was Silent oh, Hill 1 so and 2. so creepy. I never even really played it myself. I just watched our buddy Xander play it, and it was <laughs> horrifying. So creepy. I uh, So... Around uh, November eighth in nineteen ninety, around you know happening in the world, I uh, we were currently having to figure out how to parachute aid and supplies into Kuwait. Kuwait was being besieged by Iraq as as uh, the Gulf before the Gulf War really began and geared up. Operation Desert Shield is going on, and so as of right now, we're not at we're not fighting directly with Iraq in in the uh, Persian Gulf. Currently, we're just bolstering forces into Saudi Arabia. But like Kuwait's stuck. Kuwait's stuck dealing with all this crap happening to them. And so at this time, we're uh, uh, in the world. We're currently trying to like like get supplies airdropped into Kuwait to help them and like protect like you know like give their people food and water and help them out, which is just 
super depressing to think about that while we're debating on war, because at this point, technically, we didn't declare war. We were just gathering forces. Kuwait's just getting wrecked by friggin' Saddam Hussein. Oh, my God. Yeah. They didn't have Ice Ice Baby to, to gather the peace. <laughs> if only they had Ice Ice Baby. If only. It wasn't the ninja rep, but Ice Ice Baby would have helped them out a little bit. <laughs> so let's jump into the episode. This is a, 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 a pretty a pretty in-depth episode, uh, honestly, uh, for, for being such an irreverent kind of goofy plot. Uh, so I, I thought it was interesting that the story starts, and it's a story being told. Yeah, it's Homer telling the story to a bunch of drunken reprobates at Moe's Tavern. Yeah, there's Barney and the one unnamed Barfly who's always got like the sullen look on his face and his scraggly hair. You're gonna have to be more specific. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there there's some pretty depressing people at Moe's Tavern. I always forget the name of the two guys that are in there. There's him and then the guy with the orange hat. Yeah, I I never remember their t- and <sighs> and uh, Larry. I think is one of them. I think Larry is one of them. And I know that they well, Sam. I think is the other actually. That might be. I don't know which one is which. <laughs> but, I don't either. But there's always uh. I'm, I'm one of the Facebook groups that I follow that's a Big Simpsons posting uh-huh. thing. They, uh, they're they always like Sam and Larry posting, like uh, sightings is what they do. <laughs> so anytime they see him in a background of an episode, they always post a picture on the site. That's pretty great. What's funny is if you watch the director's commentary on the episode, they will always refer to them as Barfly 1 and Barfly 2 because they never remember their names. <laughs> yeah, the creators of the show don't even remember. It might just be names that the fans gave them over the years, too. Who knows? Uh, yeah, that could even be. I'm, I'm sure, sure it was probably a one-off line, like comic book guy's real name being Jeff Albertson, and it just stuck in the Simpsons zeitgeist. It, yeah, we'll, 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 yeah, I mean, we're going through every episode, so as soon as we hear the, the name, we'll make sure to uh, 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 bring it up. Uh, but so... Homer is is like, you know, I, I I had this thing happen. I don't want to talk about it. And everyone's like, no, come on, Homer, like tell the story. And he's like, well, okay. And he starts talking about uh, what happened to him. And oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, so Sean, you said you listened to the commentary. So you heard them talk about how the whole wraparound idea was James L. Brooks' idea. Yeah. So it had like a dry start. It started with them arriving to the to the stadium yeah and james l brooks was like i don't know add more character to it we'll we'll start with a story and all the essentially all the voiceover like it's sounding like homer telling a story was kind of after the fact james l brooks idea oh so that was uh, done afterwards yeah it was like uh pretty much 90 percent of everything had been done and then they came and did all the voices for the to change the start of the episode and the ending interesting i yeah, so the Homer's story is is begun, and he starts talking, and and essentially, like you said, it, it jumps from narration to just like regular Simpson scenes, and so I uh, the uh, it is nuclear plant employee spouses and no more than three children night. I <laughs> uh, Homer and the family. So oh, h- yeah? hang on, uh huh. So spouses no more than three children night. What happens if you have more than three children? Well, you better have a babysitter. Like, or the kids aren't coming. Do they just abandon the kid? Do you pay the difference and bring the kid? You probably pay the difference. You have to pay for the additional tickets, right? Like, I would imagine. I mean, that's what I would figure would, would happen. But it does make you wonder, like, what family's left to get home or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what if they were to bring Hugo with them? Bart's what about twin Hugo? Hey, he's fine in the attic. You don't need to bring Hugo into this. Yeah, he's hey, okay Don't you worry about him. Uh, so He's I, got a bucket of fish heads. He's all right. <laughs> so... I, I love the fact that uh, they they 
pull in and you hear sirens in the background, which is kind of weird. And Otto is saying how he, he it's great that they outran the cops. And hey, they made it to the stadium while they were at it. Uh, now, the in the background, uh, you know, because the typically in up until this point in up until like season two, a lot of background shots have been like messy and sloppy and there's like real weird designs in the background. Now we're getting into season two and, and it's it's a little bit more well put together. So in the background, there's not really any uh, like known characters and there's not any weird, creepy things in the background. But I did find one thing that was kind of strange. There is a ladder. You know how like on, on buses there's the like rack where you can put things up on the top? Yeah. There's a ladder going from one side to the other side of the bus. I don't know why there's a, somebody brought a ladder to this game, but somebody brought a ladder to this game. Maybe they had more than three children and they had to sneak him in over the fence. Okay, now that's adding up. <laughs> now it's making sense. It could have been structural. Who knows? It could have been holding the bus together. <laughs> I mean, it is a bus that Otto is riding. Although Otto is hired to ride the school bus. This is a regular, like, city bus? Yeah, he moonlights as a charter bus driver. I guess so. That'd I feel be a charter like, bus, right? I, yeah, I, I would imagine charter bus would probably make more money than a school bus driver, right? Like, schools can't pay that much. Public schools don't get a lot of funding. Yeah, I think the hours of just being a charter probably has... Is, is more pay. I yeah, know, I would assumption. imagine. The hours of charter is probably more pay, but he probably gets health insurance through the school. That could be. I don't know if bus drivers get health insurance. Some For some reason, I feel like Otto opted out of the health insurance anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Extra 250 a month? All right. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to buy so much mustard with that. <laughs> uh, so I... I you know, this is a late night baseball game, uh, and it's hosted. This event is hosted by Mr. Burns, uh, you know, in the nuclear power plant, of course. Uh, so when they're walking in uh, now, actually, before they even get to Mr. Burns, uh, as they're walking through the stadium, there's a few things that it kind of caught my attention. Uh, now, of course, Homer's talking about how, you know, potentially they could see some washed up major leaguers, some minor leaguers that like, you know, have a good shot. Uh, but. What's strange is all of the representatives that run counters and stuff are all old men, which is sort of weird, only because there's so many of them. There's like somebody selling a kid a balloon, and he's this real, like, like, like hunched over, hmm. kind of creepy looking old man. The guys behind the counter selling food are old men. And one thing in particular caught my attention. Right at the start, when they first begin walking into the stadium, there's like a back office area. And in that back office is an old man in a sea captain's outfit. Wow. Pay attention the next time you guys see this episode. Right when they start walking, there's this weird old man. And it's not the sea captain that we would know and love from later episodes of The Simpsons. It's just this old guy in a like a blue, navy blue uniform. I'm going to have to look for that because I don't remember that at it's all. It's kind of creepy. I can believe missed that. It's real weird. Yeah, like pause, like pause and and slow it down the next time you you watch that scene. Uh, so the old men thing kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, because have you ever been to like a minor league kind of sporting event? Yeah. I've, I've done like the the Vipers hockey and mm. the Plymouth Whalers and things like that. Sure, sure. And a lot of it is just fans who want to be at an arena and be there. So it's a lot of fans. So I could see older baseball fans volunteering to be oh, working okay. at this game. That could be. Maybe it's something like that. I. I will say, so yeah. I you can notice that there's a lot of cracks in the wall and stuff like that. Uh -huh. Yeah, it kind of makes me miss old timey stadiums a little bit. Like, uh, 
so we're from the Metro Detroit area, yeah, yeah. and we have the Tigers. Mm-hmm. And I think it was 2001 is when we got Comerica Park. They closed, you know, they had the Tiger Stadium for decades. Oh, yeah, a and, long time. I mean, it wasn't in rough shape or anything like that, but, it, you know, it had, it had some aids to it. Uh-huh. So, you know, we had that. Now we have Comerica. And then even, um, I don't know if you guys have ever gone and seen the Toledo Mudheads. No, no. Uh, that's, that's our AAA team. I've seen them once or twice. Yeah. And they got a new stadium, I think, the same year, too. So it's not even like, oh. for baseball aspects, we can actually go to them home, you know, old-style stadium, stadiums yeah. anymore. You don't get that anymore. I mean, it's not just baseball, either. All of our teams have gotten Oh, yeah, I mean, especially in the Metro. Oh, so we got the Little Caesars Arena the, now. Little Caesars Arena. The Ford there. Field, I think we got in 04, maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, early 2000s. I think it might have been earlier than that because they were doing graduations at the Silverdome. Oh, wow. I don't know if they were doing that before it was closed or if it was... Yeah, I'm uh, to... they, they did temper... There was a period of time where the Pontiac Silverdome was being used for other functions before it got fully torn down. Uh, but <laughs> we're getting a little <laughs> off topic. Uh, so I, uh, Lisa... I. When when they're walking, they they do a Hanna Barbera background thing where the background repeats itself quite a few times. Uh, also, uh, the register at the pizza booth uh, is rung up a dollar fourteen, which I can only presume is the cost of looking at their pizza because stadium food is so expensive. <laughs> like, there's no way that's their pizza price, right? Like, it's got to be the price of looking at their pizza. That's got to be the price of the pizza, which we'll get to later in the episode, and I'll point out where. Hmm, interesting. Uh, but here's a question for you guys. Have you guys ever gone to a company outing before? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're very weird. They're a little Family weird. Family company outings are weird. My dad used to work for all the beer companies, and we'd go to, like, the hydroplane races and baseball games and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's always a bunch of guys who are getting drunk while the kids run around like idiots making screaming messes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I feel kind of bad for Burns right now in this episode. <laughs> I shouldn't feel bad for Burns, but I do, because these company events suck. So uh, uh, Homer talks about how he's going to get a 72-ounce tub of beer. Do you guys know about how much 72 ounces is? Uh, that would be a six-pack. And it's just over a half a gallon of beer. That's an entire six-pack in one beer. That is ridiculous. That's crazy because I look at some of those containers they have at Seven Eleven, and I like, why would anyone need this much liquid? <laughs> right. Although Sean is here drinking a two yeah, liter right I'm, out of the bottle, chugging a two liter. So, <laughs> well, it's just more cost effective. Uh, so uh, Homer declares that uh, uh, the ticket that he has doesn't just give him a seat, but it gives him the duty to make a complete ass of himself. I like that. <sighs> so. Weird thing about the animation, since we're pointing out things. Mm-hmm. When they're walking into the stadium, Marge has a bag full of crap. Oh, yeah, she does, doesn't she? It's got, like, umbrellas and towels and things. Marge is very prepared for this outing. She knows what her kids and her drunk husband are going to get up to. Yeah, they're going to need... They're gonna, Homer's going to pass <laughs> out, and the towel's going to be his blanket. Right? I mean, that's that's all I can presume. You can only fit so much into a fanny pack, okay? <laughs> Touche. Now, uh, I, there's a family that is greeting Mr. Burns before the Simpsons. Now, did they look familiar to you guys, this family? They did. A little bit. They are known as the Gamels, and they, we only get their name this time. 
The last time we saw them was in There's No Disgrace Like Home when the family before the Simpsons that are greeting Mr. Burns before they go into the party where the kid says like, oh, I'd rather be at a baseball game. And Burns is like, fire that man. That is this family. Not only does it uh, does it have the same guy's voice, but they look exactly the same. Their character designs and everything. They are the exact family that Mr. Burns told Smithers to fire previously. Smithers didn't fire him. Nope. He was supposed to be fired by the tug of war, and Smithers never fired them. Hmm. So it must be that Mr. Burns says, fire a whole lot of people, and <laughs> Smithers is just kind of like, yeah, all right, whatever. Or it's possible that this episode was supposed to be before that. Ah. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Oh, I, I'm excited for that. I. Uh, but let's just pretend that episode never took place because there's no disgrace. Like, oh, I hate that episode. <laughs> so, so uh, Mr. Burns, uh, uh, his face when he sees Homer but can't remember his name is so wonderful. I love the look on his face. Uh, now, in the previous episode that we just would have seen uh, uh, the last time, Burns cursed Homer for ruining his attempt at being governor, saying that all of his dreams would go unfulfilled. But here he is not knowing who the heck he is, which will continue <laughs> throughout all of The Simpsons, where Mr. Burns never remembers Homer. That's one of the greatest gags in this. Episode. Oh, it's so good. Uh, he, he gets a card from Smithers, which isn't fully filled out because he calls them the Simps. Uh, and he goes through all of their names and he says, oh, this must be baby expecting. Now to get, sorry, what were you going to say, Sean? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say to get back to what I was saying about how this episode was supposed to be before it. Uh-huh. So in that No Disgrace Like Home episode, yeah. on the card, it says Baby Marge, or Maggie, Margaret. Yeah. So if he already had a card filled out that said Baby Margaret, why does the card say Baby Expecting? This is technically a flashback episode where Homer's regaling a story from before. Is this, oh. is this entire episode set before there's no disgrace like home? It could be. That could be. That's really good. That would make sense then. It would have to be that. Uh, because the, the only thing I can think is that this particular card that he has uh, would have been made when Homer first came back to his job when he quit the nuclear plant, went to work at the bowling alley, and then came back. Because he needed more money. When he got the plague? When he got... Yes. Uh, no, that's the company plaque, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it could have been before the whole governor, running for governor situation. It, 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 it could have been all yeah. before that. Uh, the, the canonical kind of, like, when we look at The Simpsons canonically, which it isn't, but we'd love to do it anyway, uh, this episode would have to be, like, either a flashback or maybe Burns just took, like, they took an older card. I also think it's funny that, so he said The Simps. And then Homer corrects him and says, you mean Simpson. Uh-huh. But I thought it was funny that in that episode, the No Disgrace Like Home, uh, he reads it as Brat instead of Bart. <laughs> and then Homer says, don't correct the man, Brat. <laughs> Which I was like, well, Homer just corrected himself. But then again, I guess if we are doing this whole timeline thing now, it makes more sense that it would be Maybe a, Homer got yelled at for correcting Yeah, him. so he kind of had like a, yeah. no, don't correct him, Brat. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh -huh. weird thing about this. Yeah. I used to work. This was almost 20 years ago now, uh -huh. I worked back at Little Caesars. Yeah, yeah. And this is back when Mike Illich owned Little Caesars. Mm -hmm. And he would stop in every, like, six months to the store, and he would remember managers' names and things like that. He'd be like, oh, Jason, how have you been? It's been a long time. Is your wife still, you know, good? Oh, you guys are expecting a kid? 
next time he'd ask about the kid. So it's weird that Burns doesn't remember this about his employees. When someone who owns Little Caesars and the Detroit Red Wings and the Detroit Tigers can remember his employees' names. At a local Little Caesars. Now, I... I mean, but here's the thing. Mike Illich wasn't, you know, the metro Detroit area's most prominent 104-year-old man. (laughs) No, that's true. (laughs) I also don't remember Mike Illich trying to block the sun. (laughs) You don't remember Or anything like that, so. (laughs) The Little Little Caesars Arena opens up. The sun blocker comes out. Uh, So, uh, uh, there are a few signs uh, that uh, when they scan through the baseball field uh, that I took note of. Would you guys like to hear them? Yeah. Yeah, shoot. Springfield Savings uh, uh, is a bank, Springfield Savings, and it has uh, a safe from 1890 to 1986, and then again from 1988 <laughs> to current. So the, from uh, in the year 1987, or maybe the tail end of 86, something went down at the Springfield Savings uh, Bank. Uh, we also see uh, the, uh, the store Royal Majesty which was referenced in an earlier episode, because that is the place Carl took Homer for his new suit for the big and tall. We also have uh, uh, Moe's Tavern uh, has a a hit this sign and win a free well drink. A what drink? A well drink, as in W-E-L-L, which I can only assume is like a, a drink from the tap. Right? Like, I can't think of what else a well drink would be. It's from the bottom of a well. <laughs> he just pulls up water from the backyard of most Tavern. Here's the well water. I mean, would you put it past Mo, really? Oh, I'm surprised he actually put an ad on, on the oh, wall I'm of the studio. Yeah, right? Uh, I also have a note here, and, and sometimes I, I write my notes a little tiredly, so maybe you guys will know what it's talking about. Uh, I have the note, girdles and jerky, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> what? what? Girdles and jerky. Is that a store? Girdles and Jerky? Maybe it was. I, I just, Girdles and Jerky. Maybe it was just a store that was also there. Were you getting hungry when you were falling asleep? Maybe. Oh, you know what? Maybe it was uh, signs for buying Girdles and then buying Jerky. Because I have a question mark after it, too. So that doesn't really help me. <laughs> Thanks, Past Craig. <laughs> You're the best, Past Craig. Uh, so I, I, but Bart sees one of his heroes uh, playing. And it's Flash Baylor. Now, uh, Bart tries to get him to sign his ball, and he won't do it. He just ignores Bart, and Bart gets mad. Marge, though, is pretty fired up, and she's like, let me have a word with him. And she goes up there and, like, and I know that this is supposed to be, like, a just sort of a sexist one-off line, but, like, I've never heard this phrase used before. Uh, one of the other players tells Flash Baylor, he says, hey, take a look at the mature quail over there. See, I know that term. Do you guys know what quail means? Go on. Quail is someone who's younger than you. It's basically like a, oh, they're underage, they're a quail. So a mature quail would be someone who's legal, but younger than you. Oh. Oh. Huh. Uh, For the record, if I was hanging out with, like, you know, any of my friends, and somebody nudged me, it was like, Check out the mature quail over there. I'd hit one of you in the back of the head. <laughs> I'm just gonna go out on the on the record and say that right now. Gotta I'm, gonna, I'm gonna slap you in the back of the head. You gotta stop hanging out with people over sixty then. I will make right. a note every time to tell you about mature quail. Yeah, you're just I'm, asking for it. Oh, I'm, you guys are asking for it to get hit in the back of the head. I'm not getting hit in the back of the head. I'm gonna be a okay. 
Uh, but he uh, he signs the ball for Marge, and um, he's currently staying at the Cozy Court Motel, room 26. And Homer is so proud of his wife that he she got hit on by by Flash Baylor. I'm not going to lie. I would be pretty proud of that, too, if that happened to my wife. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Oddly enough, my grandma was hit on by a sports player. On her 80th birthday, we got her a Zamboni ride. Oh, and yeah? she was hit on by Gordie Howe, of all people. the great one. <laughs> Gordie Howe was like, oh, you can't be 80. There's no way. And we got to watch Gordie Howe flirt with my grandma. <laughs> That's an amazing honor. It was or pretty, is weird. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. <laughs> uh, so here's a question. Uh, the the Jumbo uh, Vision scans the crowd and picks up Homer, but it also picks up his audio. You can hear him through the Jumbotron. That's weird. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just, it's like, unless you have like a, like in nowadays, it'd be like a drone flying down with like a, a microphone. Because like, how does the Jumbotron pick up his voice? Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about the fact that you could hear Homer talking. Because they amplify it. They add the effect of him being like, oh, hey, everybody. And it like, and its voice booms over the crowd. Hmm. But yeah. That uh, drone idea is actually a really good idea. I could see <laughs> drones at sporting <laughs> events coming down and interviewing people. Until they like smash someone in the head because nobody <laughs> they're not paying attention or something. Uh, drones could replace news reporters for things like that. The future is a... Wonderful place? Terrifying place? I guess if you're a newscaster, it's a terrifying place. Would you rather have a drone in a combat zone than yourself? But then we wouldn't have all the funny videos of like news reporters like falling into ditches. And <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you gotta th- you gotta look at it that way, Sean. There's you know you gotta you gotta look at the bigger picture. But here. we'd have videos of drones crashing into things, so we'd get a whole new laughter. Oh, now that's a good point. Uh, now here's a question for you guys, uh, for both of you. Uh, it, was that a familiar phrase when uh, Marge whispers to Homer X Y Z? I was gonna bring this up actually. Uh, I didn't know this phrase until much later in my life. Really? But it's still funny to find out that people don't know what XYZ is. Examine your zipper. Yeah, I like get- I'll tell people XYZ, you know, just kind of be discreet. And then I have to explain it to them. And Which it's is like, not discreet. Well, at this point, I just would have just said, <laughs> your zipper's down. Zip your pants up. Come on. I, I remember that when I was a kid. And it might be because of The Simpsons. I'm not sure. But I, I feel like some like people had told me before, like, hey, Craig, uh, XYZ. And it's like, ooh. Same with my zipper. Got it. I've met a lot of people who don't know what that means because I've told them they had the same exact thing where you tell them and they just look at you like, what? Yeah, I feel like most people don't, which is, I don't know. I don't tell people when their zipper's down. <laughs> you just watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so Burns comes out to throw the first pitch, though. And uh, uh, <laughs> he compares his pitch... When he was younger, to the fadeaway pitch uh, 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 of Satchel Page. Now, we all know I had to look up who Satchel Page was. What'd you find out? Page was hailed as an amazing pitcher, and when he was black, he went from the uh, this is old timey, so bear with me for the phrase here. But he went from the Negro leagues, which is what they were called, like the baseball leagues that were only black people, uh, to the regular major leagues. Uh, he wasn't the first black uh, man to be in the the, the major leagues, uh, but uh, uh, he uh, 
he went from the uh, you know into these major leagues uh, when they you know started to get integrated. Satchel Paige, uh, uh, his trouble ball is what uh, uh, Burns' fadeaway pitch. He compared it to the trouble ball of Satchel Paige. Uh, wasn't anything different than a fastball. That's Satchel Paige actually named a lot of his pitches, and he kind of became this sort of like celebrity, and people knew him really well. And he kept naming his pitches different things. It was kind of like this gimmick he had. But they were all fastballs. That's all they were. Uh, but uh, uh, he played from 1926 until 1966. He played until he was 59 years old. That's, That's a long time for a professional athlete. Right? Yeah. He, was, he was almost 60 years old and still playing baseball. You'd almost have to be a kicker now to, to have a career like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I thought that was insane. And uh, I, Well, how old is Tom Brady now? He's Does in anyone his know? 40s. He's in his 40s, right? So he's been doing it for a long time. Getting there. <laughs> Not 60 yet. But uh, uh, this this gag of, of Burns referencing an older pitcher, an older player, uh, is not only used in this episode, but we're going to find it used over and over again throughout <laughs> the series. Every time Burns is around, he makes old-timey references. Uh, but did you guys find it weird that Homer decided that it was a good idea to heckle his boss when he threw out the pitch and he was it just hit the ground and went nowhere. Yeah, that was odd. It's odd, but I think Homer thought he's in a crowd. He's going to have the anonymity of it, but okay. he can get away with it and everybody will make fun of him. I mean, a fair amount of people laugh at him, and it's a company outing where all your employees are. <laughs> and especially if the Jumbotron's picking up the audio, you know he's <laughs> right? going to hear it. And Mr. Birds is vindictive. Now, mind you, he'll tell him Smithers to fire everybody who laughed at him, but then none of them will get fired. Or maybe they eventually will. Hmm. We don't know when this episode takes place, so we'll see. Uh, but I, uh, we have uh, uh, a named character pop in to sing the national anthem, though. Which character shows up? Bleeding Gums Murphy. I. Uh, now, we have a clock behind him, so we know how long it takes him to uh, uh, sing the national anthem. Uh, it starts at 7.30, and it ends at 7.56. It takes him uh, uh, nearly a half hour, 20, oh, what is it, 24 minutes or whatever, to, to sing the national anthem. 25 minutes is what it takes him. Uh, 25 minutes, yeah, whatever. Uh, and only Lisa is really excited about this, but here's my question to you two. I thought he was a sax player. I didn't think he was a singer. He's a blues musician. He can apparently sing. Well, he sings in the episodes that he plays a sax in, too. Well, that's true. He sings uh, uh, a few songs. He sings at Lisa. In Moaning Lisa, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, that is true. But his voice was obviously not the original uh, actor who plays Bleeding Gums Murphy. No, Uh, It was a gentleman named uh, Daryl Connolly. So not even a regular cast member. Nope. They, they they got someone in to do the part. And I guess what's funny about it is the whole like stretching that national anthem out. Uh, they just told the guy, hey, this is the, the gag we're going to do. This is what we want. He goes, I got it. Easy. And they, had, they said they had at least 30 minutes of material of him just making <laughs> really? the song so ridiculous and everything. That's awesome. I want so that content. The voice actor who played Bleeding Gums Murphy was actually a jazz musician, correct? Uh, yeah, I think he was. So it could be a contract thing like Michael Jackson where they couldn't get him to sing. Because Michael Jackson, they got on the show, but they couldn't have him sing his own lines. 
they had to get an impersonator to sing all the parts. Oh, right. But I mean, Bleeding Comes Murphy does sing in Moaning Lisa, unless it's a different singer for the song parts. Yeah, maybe. Could be. That could be, yeah. I uh, didn't know that he was a jazz musician, though. It's interesting. Um, they, uh, I guess, mm-hmm. so one more thing about the National Anthem, though, is I guess Fox was giving them, like, hell for wanting to chop it up, like, the way they did uh-huh. for this bit. Because I guess it's something that you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to touch the National Anthem oh. and edit it the way that they did. They, it's either you play the song in its entirety or you or don't. Or you don't. Wow, I never thought And I guess that, that was one of the things that after they submitted the episode, they're like, Fox, like, whoa, 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 wait, you can't do this. But I guess they worked around it. Man. So funny enough, you mentioned Satchel Paige, mm-hmm. and he played in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. This was not our National Anthem back then. It would have been Hail Columbia at the time. Oh, yeah, we did have a different uh, national anthem then. Yeah, because it didn't switch till the 30s. Interesting. So Satchel Paige actually played under a different national anthem before his ball games. Weird. That did not click with me until right now either. <laughs> huh. Uh, so the the scene transitions, the, the, the national anthem ends, and a character gets named but then never appears again, I don't think. Dan Horde. Uh, who's the announcer for for uh, the uh, baseball games at the stadium? Uh, he s- mentions that uh, the Springfield Isotopes have a 26 game losing streak, uh, which uh, he he mentions is is a record. And and so like you know he's like hey how about that? Uh, I looked it up and the uh, the 1989 Louisville Colonels. Had a losing streak of twenty six games, which is the most lose or most lost games in a row for any team, and it still has not been surpassed. So okay. that was a real fact. The they Springfield Isotopes were tied with a a major league team, the Louisville Colonels. I'm actually surprised that it's not more than that. I don't know why. I just feel like there's that's a lot. There's got to be though. a team that just. Absolutely, Reggie. I mean, we got the Detroit Lions who went 0 and 16. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's not that far yeah. of a stretch, right? Yeah, uh, 26 games apparently has never been topped, though. Uh, but I mean, that is a lot of games, right? Like, even if you're a really bad team, you're there's going to be a fluke where you win every so often, yeah, presumably. I, uh, I, uh, so Burns sits down with Homer, though. He sits down right next to Homer, and Homer says something that I thought was kind of odd. He says that the best night of the year has now been ruined. The baseball night game with your coworkers is the best night of the year. Because he gets to get drunk and make an ass of himself. Fair enough. I guess for Homer, that could be the best night of the year. All right, fair enough. I'll, I'll, grant, I'll grant you that. I mean, that's where Bart gets it from. Homer's an attention seeker. So obviously Bart took that aspect and he's an attention seeker. Yeah, Homer is. That is true. Uh, now, Marge is uh, uh, pretty happy, though, that Homer won't wave his fanny in public. And Homer says, uh, rub it in. Uh, and I... Uh, uh, then he, you know, Burns sits down. He, you know, greets him, and Burns says, you know, something around the lines of like, you know, like, oh, I suppose you'll want some beer. And Homer's like, oh no, no, no never touch the stuff. And Burns is like, well, I was gonna have some. And Homer's like, well, maybe I'm turned around on the whole idea of this beer thing. And they or uh, Burns orders them each one of those seventy-two ounce tubs of uh, of beer. So this is why I said that could be the price for the pizza, because the beer 
two beers cost Mr. Burns $2.50. I assumed that was the change he was getting back from the $100 bill that he spent. (laughs) I assumed it was just the 90s, and if that was the cost, that's 21 cents for a can of beer. Okay, so so either the creators of The Simpsons have never been to a ball game because I know things were pretty pricey even back then at a stadium. They're not nearly as expensive now for sure, but they, I mean, you know, it wasn't cheap going to the baseball game. So either the creators of The Simpsons had no clue, no understanding of how much things were at a ball game, or perhaps maybe Burns's event means that things are cheaper because he spent money to like make the event happen. So everything's lower price for everybody. That could be true. Dollar fourteen pizza or whatever it is, two fifty beers or well, what would that be? Uh, one one twenty five for a seventy two yeah. ounce beer. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I know some at some venues, uh, like artists can control the contestant stands. Because like uh, I mean, you guys know, I've never been to a Kid Rock concert, but apparently. He pays extra so that the beers are less than five dollars a piece, oh. so fans can get more beer and have a good time. Interesting. So really? maybe it's something like that, where Mr. Burns, you know, pays for the event. He's My, buying all the tickets, and then there's something with the contestants. But then, what about the people that aren't part of the? Maybe it is only because not that many people are at the stadium. Maybe it is only employees. I. Hmm. Uh, but we also don't see Lenny and Carl there. Hmm. I do have one thing to say though about the beer. Oh, yeah? So 72 ounces, that's ridiculous. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's and a six-pack. And at first, I thought maybe it was something with the animators. Because I thought maybe what happened is they sent everything over to Korea because they were still doing it at the time, right? Uh, yes, Korea was still yeah. doing okay. the animation at the time. So maybe over in Korea, they animated it so they were holding a, a, bowl, a box of popcorn. So a tub of popcorn. So uh-huh. like maybe this is supposed to be a tub of popcorn because I noticed that in the whole scene... Neither Mr. Burns or Homer actually take a sip of the beer. And then later we'll see, right around the time before uh-huh. you know Homer gets up, Bart's holding an exact same tub filled with the same product. Oh. So I thought maybe this was something where the writers got the animation back, was like, oh my God, they, they, they screwed up the beer. <laughs> Let's make a joke. We'll write in that there's a 72-ounce t- tub of beer. That could be. They might and then have they had just kind of made it that way, so it kind of worked together. But yeah, I noticed that they don't take a sip of it, and then yeah, later Bart is holding the exact same stuff. Huh? Unless he's holding it for Homer, but that's probably not the brightest thing Homer. Wow, Homer's kind of an idiot. Uh, that's true. I uh, so I. Uh, I mean, I was at sporting events with my dad, and I would hold his beer for things when he got up to make an ass of himself. Yeah, and then you <laughs> go and take sips of the beer when he's making an ass of himself. That's what you do as a kid, right? That's that's how everybody else grew up? No? That, that's where my problem came from. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, uh, uh, Burns remarks, because they start, like, heckling the, the players. And uh, uh, Burns mentions that he, uh, uh, I believe it's something around the lines of, like, he, he hadn't heckled somebody uh, that much since the, the late Connie Mack. Now, Connie Mack is another person in baseball history. Cornelius McGillicuddy was his real name. Now, I'm going to say that a name again because it is so amazing. <laughs> Cornelius McGillicuddy. What, an, what a day. What a, what a time to have a that name. That <laughs> sounds like a villain in a Disney film. Cornelius McGillicuddy, uh, known as Connie Mack, uh, played from 1886 
until 1896 as a catcher, but was a manager and team owner afterwards. He stopped managing in 1950. Now, Burns remarks that he uh, heckled him at uh, Sheep Park. Sheep Park opened in 1909 in Philadelphia, uh, years after he stopped uh, uh, playing already. Uh, so, so Burns would have heckled him as a manager, uh, not as a player. Uh, but uh, uh, he managed the Philadelphia Athletics from 1901 to 1950. So he would have it would have been at Sheep Park at when he was a manager. My God, that's like how, how old was he when he retired? Oh, uh, he was pretty old. Uh, he, uh, I don't have uh, the uh, how old he was when he retired, but I want to. We say said he started playing when. He played uh, first started playing in 1886, so I think he would have been around. So you're talking 70 years, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. roughly 70, oh, yeah. 75 years. He has, assuming he's a teenager, he's at least 86, 87. He has, and this is going to explain a lot. Has the most games managed, uh, most games won, and most games lost as a manager because he was a manager for so long. He has the record, and it's like, it's like. By like thou- like thousands of games or whatever nonsense, yeah, it, hundreds and thousands or whatever, yeah, it's it's crazy. I uh, now I uh, I uh, the scenes scene transitions though, and I I he managed through World War Two. That just like clicked with me that he would have managed through World War Two uh-huh. and World War One. Uh huh. Yeah, he would have. He, he managed the uh, uh, the Philadelphia Athletics from 1901 to 1950. World War One and World War Two were during that time. Yep. That's nuts. Yeah, the two great wars. No biggie. He'll just keep managing through them. No biggie. I uh, but I. Uh, so in the fourth eve, uh, inning, uh, they get an additional 72-ounce tub of beer. Maybe it's popcorn, but they say it's beer. Uh, so by the sixth inning, they're buddy-buddy with each other. Uh, they're doing two-man waves, which is, I mean, they have to be pretty drunk at this point, right? I hate the wave. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I hate the wave. I literally too. hate I the wave. I absolutely hate the wave. The, yeah, okay, so I went to opening day at Tiger Stadium yesterday, and... Bases are loaded, and there's these two jagoffs trying to get the wave going. And I'm like, "What are you doing? Like, we have bases loaded. Sit down. We don't need this distraction right now." So, what I hate more than the wave, though, is when somebody brings a volleyball or a beach ball to an event. I've had it at Wings games, and I've had it at concerts, and it's the most annoying thing when people are all batting at some ball. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's pretty obnoxious. The the wave throwing around beach balls, trying to turn a a, a game into a party is really weird to me because it's like, why did you spend like just have a party? Just you you spent the money on tickets, just just not don't spend the money on tickets and have a party, like a beach ball party, or a wave party. I don't know, whatever. I'm not a loser. I don't need to do things like <laughs> wave parties, but but you know some people might. I'm gonna have a wave party now. I'll, I'll I was going to say, party. we should your do wave a wave party. party. <laughs> uh, now, uh, uh, I have another note here listed for a Harold Joseph Pie Trainor. Uh, now, uh, I'm actually suddenly forgetting when Burns referenced this player, because Lord knows it had to be another person Burns referenced. Uh, but uh, uh, let me actually double check that. Uh, 
while I uh, uh, just make sure I, I want to make sure I didn't just randomly put down a random baseball player's information in stats. You might have. I mean, Burns does reference a lot of players in this. Yeah, he he does. Uh, There's something that you notice too about the whole stadium is that they they black out the 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 people in the stadium, like the audience, just all blacked out, which I think is an interesting technique that they used. It's early of, on. It's kind of a cheap animation technique, which I like. But you'll find out later in the episode that they actually kind of changed it up. When we go, you know, when we're going to find out what, what the fate of Homer in this episode, uh, there's a little bit more different animation, a little bit more uh, in-depth. Yeah, there is a little bit. So one thing I want to point out about this, because we're talking about the baseball game itself, and they're watching the baseball game. Bart really wanted an autograph. We never once see Flash playing. Flash is only in that scene. He's not playing in the game. Maybe he was uh, on the uh, bench because he's washed out. Also, I did double check. I, I, the, I, Mr. Burns, uh, when the isotopes had uh, a three, uh, uh, three, uh, or, or strike th- or three uh, at the nuclear plant for, you know, employees, spouses, no more than three children night, uh, Burns tells Homer that these banjos couldn't carry pie trainer's glove. That's, why I made a note about Harold <laughs> Joseph Pie Trainer, who was hailed as the greatest third baseman in MLB history. He played from 1920 to 37 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Huh. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I forgot Burns' <laughs> reference. But they're all old timey. Cut me some slack. I mean, he's covering a pretty, pretty large time period then, because you were talking about players from the eight, <laughs> 1880s, and then he played in the 40s, you said? Uh, he played in 1920 to 1937. Okay. Now, uh, technically, though, uh, 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 Connie Mack, uh, Burns made fun of him, but he from from Bur- what Burns said, he had to have made fun of him when he was managing. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, it, which would have been, but still, it would have been 1901. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It would have been half, had to have been after 1909 because he mentioned Sheep Park, which didn't open until 1909. So sometime after 1909, which is still a long time ago for sure. And Satchel played, played forever. So, yeah, this could all line up. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, so I, uh, the uh, Homer is is you know wants to get everyone motivated though. The isotopes are you know uh, on the cusp of winning and breaking their losing streak, uh, and so Homer starts dancing. And in his flashback, like because he's narrating at this point, he claims that it wasn't alcohol related, but but he had just had like over a half gallon of popcorn. <laughs> of popcorn. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be beer. Uh, now, uh, so you said a half gallon? Uh, just over a half gallon is six beers, uh, seventy-two ounces. He's had two of those because Burns refreshed his drink. Well, it has to his be drinky, over that. His drinky poo, drinky poo, drinky poo. It has to be over that, but we don't know if he finished the second one. So he could have had an entire gallon of beer. He has about a gallon of beer flowing through his veins at this point, roughly. Gallon of popcorn. There's <laughs> a gallon of popcorn in his system. Uh, now, uh, the the player hits a home run, and the isotopes win, and everyone's excited. You know, wasn't I, that flash? By the way, what, I, was that flash? I thought it okay. was. Oh, maybe it was. In fact, I think it might have been. Actually, that might have been flash. So that he he won the game for them, but only at the end and barely played during the time. Okay, because yeah. I was looking for flash and I don't remember seeing it. Yeah, I, I might be wrong, but I want to say that that was him who hit the home run at the end and. It was, uh, you know, the style of the natural. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that f- yeah. movie with the uh, rubber oh, records. Oh, right, right. Uh, 
it even uses similar music to yeah. the natural. So, uh, Mr. Burns, uh, after Homer's scene, decides that uh, uh, the Simpsons should be forever banned from any of their outings, which kind of means that this has to be after the outing at Burns's place. It's all adding up. Unless Smithers doesn't follow through. It, yeah, it has to be that Smithers doesn't follow through with firing Homer because uh, uh, he gets banned from outings in this event, but he makes it to the outing in There's No Disgrace Like Home. Maybe what we're finding out is that actually Smithers has Homer's back this entire time and knows that Burns has a terrible memory, can't even remember who Homer is. I don't know. Smithers really wanted Homer fired and to potentially like hang himself. In the uh, episode uh, Simpson and Delilah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That is true. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Sometimes Smithers is a bad guy and other times he's a good guy. Uh, but uh, I, did you catch the outings that Burns has? No. The types of outings? No. He has luau's. He has picnics. He has banquets. And he has baseball. The frowny face stamps that Homer has collected has two for luau's, so he's ruined two luau's, he's ruined two picnics, four banquets, and three baseball games. This would have been the fourth baseball game. Unless everyone's like a strike, like Marge getting drunk at the picnic. That's a strike. Oh, maybe that's that it. Could like, be. that's a stamp. So, so but I'm not, gonna, st- I'm not going to put it past them to, <laughs> to do it multiple times. So, uh, Homer gets greeted by uh, Antoine Tex O'Hara, the owner of the Isotopes, which is strange because it means that there are multiple isotope teams because Burns has a team of isotopes for Springfield, which is the company baseball team. And then Springfield has an isotopes minor league team, which is owned by this Tex O'Hara. Uh, and he wants... Uh, maybe, maybe Burns sponsors the team, so they took the name the isotopes. That could be. I mean, Burns does have company outings here. Yeah, oh, yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, it could be a popular name. Like, I think they make a joke. In a later Simpsons episode about the Eagles facing the Eagles in like a football game, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone's like the Eagles. Yeah, it could be another thing like that. Like there's multiple isotopes. I uh, now what I kind of thought was strange is is it's rare when it happens in the Simpsons, but they name the episode. He calls him Dancing Homer, and that's of course the name of the episode, which is pretty rare. Uh, but he offers I uh, I uh, Homer a job as the mascot, and I uh, I uh, Homer. What does he say? It's something like he says, like, oh, I should have thought about it longer. Uh, oh, no, that's what it is. He he says, uh, uh, like, you know, what what's your name? Like, what's your mascot name? And somebody from the bus is like, get on the bus, dancing Homer. And he's like, will you shut up? And he's like, you know, I should have thought about it longer, but I just took the first thing I heard. Uh, but uh, uh, the Simpsons are at the, what is it, the dinner table, I guess, technically. They're yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, dinner table. Did you notice that the corn curtains were gone in this scene? Oh, they vanish. Yeah, the the curtains with the corn on them are gone. Uh, but uh, Homer says, don't fill up on veggies. Save room for nachos because they're going to the baseball game. I mean, that's a true statement. Nachos are delicious. They are. Like nacho cheddar, I would kill somebody for. You have before. It was really weird and awkward. I didn't know you saw that. A man is dead because of nacho cheese, Sean. You have nacho cheese running down your hands, as well as blood. They had jalapenos in them, Craig. They were okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Homer uh, remarks that this is the first time people weren't laughing at him. Uh, or, yeah, they're laughing with him or whatever. And uh, one guy in the crowd, though, as Homer's dancing, looks furious. 
There's a dude in the crowd as Homer's dancing as the mascot when he becomes this new mascot, and he looks so mad. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, check that out the next time. I'm going to go back and look for that, because I could see somebody getting mad at that. <laughs> was it me? Was I Was I the one in the crowd? Just <laughs> so angry. Sit down. <laughs> Sit down. What are you doing? Watch the game. Uh, so Springfield uh, plays against uh, uh, a few different teams. There's, of course, uh, the Springfield Isotopes, and they play the Shelbyville Shelbyvillians, the Burlington Drifters, and the Salem Boulevardiers. I don't, that's not a word. <laughs> Boulevardiers. Boulevardiers. But th- they're a team. I. Uh, and uh, 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 with Dan, you know, dancing homers on the uh, the shirts in the kiosk and stuff because Homer's getting popular. And Marge says that she never thought she'd see the day when a Simpson was on a T-shirt, which of course is a gag because oh, yeah. you know there's so much merchandise that's popping up now for the Simpsons. Uh, I love the, that they can make fun of themselves a lot like that. Mm-hmm. No, the, I, I don't think most shows would do that. Like I think Simpsons kind of started that self-referential humor. I think they might have been the, around one of the first because I can't think of too many other shows from around then or before then that made fun of themselves. And they take stabs at Fox a ton yeah, on the, this series. That's in their contract that they can do that. Oh, really? Yeah. And they specifically have in their contract that they can say whatever they want about Fox. That's great. Which will be interesting to see how that plays out with Disney now owning Fox. Oh, yeah. Because hmm. they've made a lot of jokes at Disney's expense, too. <laughs> yeah, they have. Uh, so I... Uh, the uh, oh, by the way, the the shirts are two for twenty four dollars, which is actually a pretty good deal. I mean, we're finding out that everything is a pretty good deal here, here in Springfield. So <laughs> yeah, seriously. I uh, now I uh, the I uh, the the episode carries on though, and I uh, uh, you know stop me if I'm going a little too far, but I I you know the I. Uh, Homer gets a job opportunity after after really performing well, uh, and he's going to replace the Capital City goofball for one inning, right? Is yeah. it for just the seventh? <laughs> something like sixth or, or the seventh fourth inning. or something. I, like I think that. it's the fifth. I think they it? say okay. the fifth inning. I uh, now I I. Uh, well, there is a line that's really great here as Tex O'Hara, though, because Tex O'Hara is like Homer. He's like, I, I want to talk to you about something. Uh, and Homer's like, oh, you're going to like, you know, he thinks he's going to get fired. And he's like, oh, the team loses and suddenly the mascots fall. He's like, you make me sick. And Tex is like, no, 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 no. He's like, you know, I want, you know, you, you've been offered a position as replacing the Cap City goofball. And he's like, why don't you talk it over with your family? And Homer's line, Dan Castellaneta's delivery, Castellaneta's delivery is amazing. Because they might say no. <laughs> I and I uh, and they do at first, right? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're not for it. Uh, Lisa and, actually delivers my favorite line of the episode when he brings it up. She says, "Everyone in Springfield knows us and has forgiven us." She also mentions, uh, I think, I think it's Lisa that mentions that she thought that she would die there, like she'd live there and she would die there. And Homer says, "Ah, oh, you'll die someplace else." <laughs> I uh, now I uh, uh, Homer says, you know, he's like, I don't know if I can get a leave of absence from work, though. And the scene immediately transitions after like the family agrees to go with him. Uh, and the guy like up on the like the rafter or whatever who's talking to him is like, how long do you need? Four years, five years? And he's more than willing to let Homer go. So going with your theory glitch that this takes place beforehand, Homer's at his old position when he's talking to that guy. 
He's working the line at the nuclear plant. He's not a safety inspector. It, it's just, it, it's not adding up. It's just, there's so much conflicting stuff, whether it could potentially be... I up. mean, that sounds about... He doesn't look like he's in his uh, in he's, his office. He's not so in he could still be working the line. Yeah. He's not in Sector 7G, that is for sure. Unless he had to go find a supervisor who was somewhere else. But that doesn't usually... Hmm, doesn't happen that way. So, Craig, I got a question for uh-huh. you. And this goes to us being longtime friends. Oh? So, Bart's saying goodbye to Millhouse. And they make a bond by spitting in each other's hands, so they become spit brothers. Is that why you spit in my face every time I see you? Is that why? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I was doing the notes for this episode, I had almost convinced myself that on an episode, I was going to spit in my hand, <laughs> hold it out, and just ask you to do the same and high-five me with spit all over our hands. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? That's a little too far. It's a little much. <laughs> No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> we won't become Spit Brothers on this episode. That's going to be a Patreon special. Ooh, the Spit Brothers episode. <laughs> the Spit Brothers episode. Uh, I also appreciate that uh, uh, Flanders uh, goes to talk to Homer, and Homer's like, yeah, yeah, quit your blubbering, Flanders, uh, which I feel like would have been a good opportunity for a joke for Homer taking Flanders stuff and then selling it at I the yard that sale. Was, you know, because I hadn't seen this episode in a while when I started doing the research for it. I thought there was a joke coming up about that. Right? And I was actually kind of disappointed they didn't do something like his TV trays. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think at this time in The Simpsons, I mean, Homer's, you know, not a fan of Flanders, but we don't really see that he's taken advantage of Flanders. That's like true. that that'll come later. Yeah. Uh now, uh, uh, Lisa also tells the girls at school that her leaving would be more emotional if they had gotten to know each other better, uh, which is super depressing. But what I'm kind of curious about is they leave. And Patty and Selma stay behind in the house. Now, is that because the Simpsons are currently thinking of selling the home? Or is it that they're renting it out to Patty and Selma? I thought it was more of like they're just staying at the house so like squatters don't get into it. That could be. Kind of like a, hey, you're going to sell your house in the future. Because they're renting an apartment. Maybe at this time. We don't know. Because maybe they're looking for a place. That could be. In fact, I think they're in a hotel. Yeah, they're in a hotel, technically, when they get to Capital City. Yeah, so they probably haven't sold their house yet because they're probably still looking in Capital City. Oh, but before we get to Capital City, uh, Homer has a goodbye speech uh, uh, at the Springfield uh, War Memorial like, you know, uh, stadium or whatever it is. That's a great name for a stadium, by the way. I, I, I thought that, that was hilarious, the name. War Memorial Stadium. Uh, and Homer's speech parodies Lou Gehrig's speech, uh, which was a real speech, Lou, Gehrig, Lou Gehrig's disease, mm-hmm. you know, named after him, uh, uh, which uh, the actual name for that disease now. Well, it's ALS is what ALS. I don't know what it stands for, but ALS, yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I can't tell if it's a, a funny reference I almost feel like it's in kind of in poor taste that this man's real life speech has been parodied. So going back with what you said about the natural, this is actually reference to the film Pride of the Yankees. Oh, that's right. There's a film version. There is based a film Pride of the Yankees, and the sh- shot is almost identical to the shots of Lou Gehrig giving his speech, which are, I mean, honestly, pretty point for point with the actual speech. Like the uh, uh, Lou Gehrig speech has been recorded. And, uh, you know, he says those lines, like, I like in Homer's case, it's I'm the, the luckiest mascot on like the face of the earth or whatever. And Lou Gehrig, because the entire city has come out for his like farewell, is, you know, kind of getting choked up. And he says, like, I'm the luckiest man in the world. And 
not long after that, he would pass away. Uh, but I, I couldn't like it, like when I first caught the reference years ago, I thought like, oh, OK, I know what this is from. But like only after that, I started thinking like, is is this actually funny or is this just sort of kind of in crummy taste? I think it's more of like a tribute because I don't it, they, they, they do the whole black and white setting. I don't really see them making fun of it. They have the that whole like, be, yeah, Babe Ruth approaching thing. the Babe Ruth style character approaching, you know, him talking to the microphone yeah. afterwards. I think it's a very touching moment actually. Versus, you know, it is a bit of a parody, obviously, but yeah, sure, sure. I don't think it was done in poor taste. Okay, no, I, I buy that. I, I can see tribute instead. I, uh, but so they start heading to Capital City, and the song is actually sung by Tony Bennett, and it's amazing. Yeah, that's a. I love this cameo. Uh, this is technically their first. I mean, I know like uh, I know um, Penny Marshall had done voices for the show, and they've had other people do voices, but this is like the first. Oh yeah, I like, mean Harvey Firestein like, had done a few huge. episodes earlier. Yeah, this is the first time like there's a cameo and everything like. And Tony Bennett actually says that he felt like this kind of rejuvenated his uh, career. Really? Yeah. That's cool. I really like Tony Bennett. I love his music. I do too. His version of Fly Me to the Moon is fantastic. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy Tony Bennett's uh, uh, voice, his singing. Uh, and I love that this isn't necessarily like, you know, because so many other guest stars up to this point have, are a character. There's a character made for them. They're driving and they see Tony Bennett and they're like, it's Tony Bennett. And he's like, hey, how you doing? And he keeps singing. Uh, now, I, I think it's great because uh, Capital City is a city that makes a bum feel like a king. And it makes a king feel like a nutty cuckoo super king. <laughs> so I love some of the landmarks that are pointed out as they're driving. Mm-hmm. So they have the Crosstown Bridge. Yep. They have the Penny Loafer, which is kind of in reference to the Brown Derby restaurant. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing that they point out is Homer goes, ooh, street crime. <laughs> yeah, it's some old lady getting mugged. Uh, There's a statue for the Army Reserve. Oh, yeah. It's a dude in a suit with, like, a helmet on and, like, mm-hmm. a bayonet. There's the 4th Street in D, which we never get what that is referenced to. I'm not sure what it would be. And there's the Duff Brewery. Homer is really excited that he's going to the place or the city with the Duff Brewery. And I can't tell. Does Capital City have its own Duff Brewery? Or does Homer travel there in a future episode? Because later we we see that he visits the Duff Brewery. So I know that 4th uh, Street in D, uh, there is oh, yeah? an intersection at... Fox Studio, 12th Street in D. Okay, so that's what it could be. So it might to. be something to that. I mean, it's different numbers. I mean, yeah, but... why, would they, why wouldn't they just keep it the same? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of weird, huh? But uh, I did notice that there's a tree on top of their car. I don't know if you guys saw that. Yeah. They're moving a tree <laughs> with them, right. which I thought was just one of the most ridiculous so things. Uh, yeah, so they they finish up the song, and they're all really excited. You know, the, the family has changed their minds. They're, they're gung-ho for Capital City. Uh, and uh, they're at a hotel. Uh, and uh, Homer mentions in his in this narration that is the first time Homer stayed up past Marge. Homer was really nervous about you know replacing the Capital City goofball. Uh, and uh, the scene transitions and so question oh, for yeah? you guys: uh-huh. Are you guys light sleepers? Do you fall asleep right away, or are you the second person to fall asleep? Oh, I'm always the first. I'm always the second person. I'm the Marge in this scenario. I um, am a bachelor. Uh, and so I, I don't, I don't, I, nobody's seen me fall asleep you, you for a while. First. You pass out. I early. usually, yeah, I, I've, I, I, we've gone on trips together. Somehow, and stuff, somehow Craig is still the second, actually. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows why? 
<laughs> or how? I never sleep. <laughs> His soul goes to sleep before him. All the souls that he owns go to sleep before him. That's how I re- rejuvenate is the, the souls go to sleep for me and I stay up all night. No, I usually pass out pretty quick. When I when I, when I I remember like, you know, like uh, slumber parties when I was a kid, I was always the one who would fall asleep first. And I also snore and I also talk in my sleep. So, it, it, you know. I'm right there with you, Craig. Ah, then you get it. Yeah, I'm the night owl, so I'm always the one who falls asleep very last and is creeping around like, oh, got to get the Fritos that are left behind. <laughs> <laughs> so Homer Homer goes to uh, uh, get ready for the game, and he gives uh, his family tickets, and he says that it's the seats where the players' wives are, which isn't necessarily true. And Homer goes uh, uh, to the back, and his narration mentions that Bart was quiet, confused, and he later said that he was confused by feelings of respect that clearly wouldn't last very long. Uh, now, I, I, Homer goes into the locker room, and he's greeted by the Capital City Goofball, who is the uh, a mascot who will pop up more in The Simpsons, which is kind of interesting. Uh, he, he isn't a one-off character. Uh, he doesn't talk very much, though, in his... In his future appearances. No, no. He usually just makes noises. He does or the something. honk noise with yeah. his nose. <laughs> yep. Who did the voice for the Capital City Goofball? Oh, it was somebody actually uh, uh, relevant. Uh, I can double check that. Uh, I. Yeah, yeah. I didn't write it down. Uh, I, I didn't either. And I know he's voiced by somebody big, and we never see him outside of the costume. His voice does not match what you would think, though. No, not at all. For the character. <laughs> it's very straight, like, oh, yeah. soft voice. Um, one thing, though, in this scene is when the goofball is leaving the room, uh, his antenna hits the top of the door, which I think is a great gag because you always notice like Marge entering and then ex- exiting a room. Her hair like, kind of brushes up against. Yeah. Them. And it kind of like knocks into one of the lights, too, and it kind of yeah. wavers yeah, yeah, back yeah. and forth. I uh, So uh, the voice of the Capital City goofball, and I'm uh, double checking it here for us. Uh, I believe is I. Uh, oh, his name just popped up. Uh, Tom Poston. That sounds familiar. I do believe. Yeah, uh, he is uh, uh, Tom Poston. Uh, Poston uh, is the Capital City goofball. Uh, he had a really long career, I guess. Uh, he had a lot of roles at sitcoms. Uh, and so he was like in like New uh, Newart. Uh, Great oh, that's right. Fighter. Yeah, he was a Newhart. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. do remember them talking about that in the commentary. Yep. Uh, so uh, that was who voiced the Capital City Goofball. Uh, he actually passed away in 2007. So the character is, I guess, technically retired. Though I, like you said, I don't think the Capital City Goofball talks yeah. after this episode. Really, he just uh, kind of does a honk honk. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he asks Homer what he's gonna do, and uh, uh, he says he's gonna, you know, dance to Baby Elephant, spell out the city name, you know, uh, uh, you know, spell out the city name and stuff, and. Uh, uh, the Capital City Goofball says, Ah, Mancini, a mascot's best friend. Henry Mancini composed Baby Elephant Walk, as well as the Peter Gunn TV series music and the Pink Panther theme. Hmm. So Mancini has uh, uh, done a lot of, like, you know, like uh, culturally relevant uh, like music and stuff. Uh, the Peter Gunn theme is actually the final Sigma Fortress in Mega Man X. That music is basically the Peter Gunn theme. Oh. Interesting. Just random Mega Man X trivia. <laughs> I'll have to listen to those again and compare Yeah, it's them. like a bump, 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 kind of heavy bass. Oh, yeah. 
Huh, interesting. Uh, so uh, another announcer gets named, and we never hear from them again. Uh, Dave Glass uh, mentions that it's great weather under the dome. I love that line <laughs> so much. Uh, the first domed like baseball game I ever went to was in Toronto. Oh, yeah? When I went to a trip out to Toronto. And I was like, wow, they have a dome here. This is so cool. This is the future. <laughs> uh, it never rains. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the sweet benefit. I. Uh, I prefer domes too because like the sun's not in your eyes. I go to so many like I've been to so many baseball games where it's just like me glaring down at the field and I'm just like I sure wish the sun was blocked out. And then I look to the Little Caesars Arena and the sun blocker has not been activated. It's a shame. Real shame. I <laughs> uh, but I uh, I uh, we find out that uh, it's not the wives that I uh, uh, Marge. Bart, Lisa, and Maggie are with. It is the players' ex-wives who are, you know, taunting from way up in the nosebleed seats. Uh, you will notice uh, I had mentioned earlier about the animation, how they blocked it and blacked yeah. it out in in the Isotopes Arena. Yeah, and in this one, you can actually see like all the details of all the people in the stadium as they're walking up the steps. Well, I guess uh, an animator had spent two days animating yeah. the the crowd in the stadium. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, Gracie Films got wind of this, and I guess they threw an all-out fit that someone had spent two days animating this, but then when the final product came back, they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. Do that in the future. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> oh, man. That's so... That's ridiculous. I... Uh, so Homer's narration kicks in, and he says that he... Well, actually, Homer's sitting there eating like a... Like a... Uh, like a... Like, I don't even remember what it was he was eating. He's, I think it's a chili dog? I... It was um a hot Frank. That's what it was. It was hot Frank. Red hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he uh uh he he's like eating. He like in the 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 spotlight goes over him, and he's still sitting there eating and drinking beer. He downs it real quick and runs out into the field. And his narration says that I uh, I uh, you know he did his best, but the players just were the uh, audience just wasn't having it. Uh, but for the record, Homer backflips. Like two or three times. If I saw Homer or somebody with Homer's build just backflipping a bunch, I don't think I would have been bored. I think I feel like that's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, well, that would play, you know, in the sticks, but this is Capital City. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. And they of course. the snooty big city people I uh, I uh, aren't a fan. And Homer gets taken off the field and he uh, sitting with a jock strap in the locker room, uh, somebody walks up and they're like, hey, I think it's a janitor is like, hey, you know, the boss wants to see you. So he goes to Dave Rosenfield's office in his jock strap, <laughs> fires Homer and pleads with him to put on some clothes. Oh my God, that's the best line in the whole episode. I love that. And for God's sake, put on some damn pants. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, the scene ends. And Homer explains to the barflies that they failed, like you know, like or they Homer had to to quit, like he he didn't get the job, and so uh, his his kids were upset that they had to leave. I uh, you know, in fact, I, I think uh, even before Homer tells them, Marge says to the kids, like you know, come on, like don't complain to your dad, like he's having it hard enough. And then he comes back, and the kids are like, yeah, dad, you're the best, and they he has to leave. And he explains the, uh, or he asks uh, uh, Mo, says, why do stories of degradation and humiliation make you more popular? Because everyone's listening to his story. And Mo says, I don't know. They just do. 
And man. you'll notice here, so Mo is never on model. Like his his animation is just always wild and crazy. And I guess that's something that the animators really want to push is that Mo just looks insane all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Mo is kind of insane until fan fiction seasons later on when Mo becomes like the family man that like the Simpsons love. And he's one of their friends. He's kind of a maniac. Yeah. He threatens to kill a child. He like steals animals from zoos. He k- tries to steal a killer whale. He's yeah. a criminal. <laughs> he's a criminal. <laughs> and so, yeah, Mo is kind of a maniac. Well, remember, he does save Maggie at one point from falling off of a bridge. What season is that? Oh, geez. You're going to... Is that a fan fiction season? <laughs> is that what that is, Glitch? It might be after 12. I know you guys don't don't, ah, don't watch anything fiction. after 12s. So. Ah. <laughs> so the fans couldn't tell, but Craig's eyes slowly squinted. <laughs> Kill Bill music played. <laughs> ah, fan fiction seasons. Uh, so, gentlemen, what is the lasting impact of this episode to you guys? I'll don't, go first. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, don't saying. all of you jump up at once. <laughs> uh, I think there's a ton of things in this episode. First uh-huh. off, I think this really shows the style of comedy that The Simpsons sure. were going towards from the from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I picked this episode was that it just has those jokes. Like the, for God's sake, put on some pants. <laughs> I remember laughing so hard <laughs> one so of the first good. times I ever saw this and that being one of my favorite lines from this series. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you have The Simpsons moving, which is a gag they're going to do dozens of times. Oh, sure. Going from city to city. Um Homer getting various jobs. Uh, you have guest stars. It's baseball themed, which I know they'll, they'll go back to. And mm-hmm. one of the most important things about this episode was that Mark Kirkland. Sorry, I don't know why I stuck on that. Mark Kirkland directed this. Kirkland. Kirkland. Uh, and he is has directed more episodes than anyone else. He's directed 83 Simpsons episode, still directing to this day. Wow. So this was his first one. Now, Sean, how about for you? See, now that probably is the biggest lasting impact, but I feel this episode shows the family's dynamic really well that you don't get in a lot of other episodes, where even if there's a problem that affects one Simpson, they deal with it as a family. Yeah. Everyone deals with Homer's moving. Even though this is primarily a Homer story, they're still a central piece of the episode, and it brings together that they'll do whatever it takes to be a good family and be happy. Honestly, I, I think Glitch uh, I, I had it right. It's it's. I mean, you're not wrong, of course, uh, Sean. But the uh, the fact that this is an episode where Homer got a new job that will happen so many times, and I think this is the first, right? Aside from aside from Homer's Odyssey, when he just gets a different position at the same place. Well, he, he was also a safety watchdog in that episode, so you could technically consider that something different. You don't get paid for being a safety watchdog. I I, I would say, and, and I could be wrong, I might be forgetting something, but I think this, aside from different positions at the plant, like when he's promoted to a junior executive and when he gets the safety inspector job. And then eventually he'll become head B guy in one of the episodes. <laughs> yes, and he eventually becomes the head B guy in an episode. <laughs> but why? Oh God, you're pathetic. This is why Simpson made, or Smithers made me the head B guy. Uh, but yeah, he. Uh, I, this is, I think, the first episode where Homer gets a different outside job, and and it, it, you're right, it is a gag that they th- just struck gold with. Homer getting different jobs to to wacky effect is. I mean, that's he'll eventually become an astronaut. Mm-hmm. He's eventually going to be an astronaut. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that has to be what I would say is the lasting impact for this episode is the the, the they found a gag that they could run with. This was also an episode, I guess, that that really showed that the Simpsons ratings were powerful. I guess the the Nielsen ratings for this episode was fourteen point nine, which I don't know what that means, <laughs> but that's what it said on the internet. Uh, but it was the number one show on Fox that week. Yeah, the, I mean, we're we're gonna soon see that the Simpsons are becoming a popular powerhouse, and uh, uh, they're they're hitting big with Fox now. Now they need to contend with the Cosby Show, and we're gonna see in another baseball episode uh, that uh, uh, later down the road uh, that the uh, the Simpsons is becoming way more popular, but they're not on top yet, but they will be soon. Yeah, Cosby's still on top of everybody right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mm. Oh, uh, mm. glitch, uh, glitch, change of subject for the love of God. Tell us what you're up to. What do you, uh, what's going on in the legend of retro? These so days? we got the legend of retro podcast. Definitely check that out on the Gamezilla media network. Uh, we cover old retro games. Uh, I guess that's redundant, but yes, we cover retro <laughs> old games and retro, uh, from, from everything we've done episodes from pitfall all the way up to uncharted on the PlayStation three. So uh, be sure to check that out on the network. Obviously, Craig's there, Xander, and Chops, all of us from the Games Alone Media. Yeah, and uh, make sure to check out uh, uh, our Patreon page, because not only do you get bonus content for Noiseland Arcade, but you're also going to get bonus content for the Legend of Retro. So make sure to go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. And uh, we definitely appreciate you guys uh, watching. Glitch, thank you for being on this episode. It was a pleasure to have you. I know that you love The Simpsons as much as we do. So it was it was awesome to have you on this episode. I'll be back for sure. You absolutely will. Be. <laughs> definitely. It's my- almost like it's predetermined you're going to be on uh, another episode. Uh, thank you again, Glitch. And thanks to all of our uh, listeners Love that you're following along and that you're big fans of The Simpsons like we are. Uh, We'll catch you next time. Smell you later. 